right, let's take our Bible, please, and find the book of Isaiah, the 11th chapter of the book of Isaiah. And a couple of things just to mark as we get ready to look at Isaiah chapter 11. Uh, beautiful flowers still up front here. We had a very sweet homegoing service for Brother Joe and a tremendous, tremendous time. Uh, you know, it was enough, uh, I think, when Miss Lori and Miss Lisa got up and opened the service with the song, uh, We Saw Jesus in You. And from there, uh, it just went and built from there. But uh, when your children rise up and call you blessed, uh, that is a great testimony. So you pray for Lori and Lisa and the family. And then second of all, uh, I think outside of the eternal word of God, the third verse of that song is the most beautiful verse ever written. I love the, the imagery of that verse. Uh, if we, with ink, the ocean fill. You think about the ocean. And we just fill it with ink, and every stalk, everything that grows on the earth were a pen. Every man were a scribe. Uh, to write the love of God above could not be contained. And I just love the imagery of that great verse. And then third thing is, it's good to see Brandon home alive. And uh, he's been gone for the last two months in India, working with different missionaries. And we're going to get a report from him on Sunday. And we're going to take a love offering from him on Sunday and uh, help him uh, pay off some of the debt he incurred. He put a lot of that uh, up front. And uh, I appreciate young men that want to serve the Lord. And Brandon, uh, he called on his own. He did it all, set up the missionaries he'd be working with and going to visit. And uh, so Sunday night, we'll hear from Brandon a little bit about his trip and uh, about some of his escapades and uh, some of his arrest. No, I'm just kidding. They didn't get quite arrested. They did confuse him for a homeless man, though, but that's good. But uh, we're glad to have Brandon home safe and uh, just a few diseases, not too many diseases. But uh, how many cities did you think you went to in India? Seven different cities across the great country of India. So we're thrilled to have Brandon home and looking forward to go back to Pensacola in the fall. And uh, be a junior this year, I believe. Junior this year, studying missions. And uh, Brandon's got a great heart for the Lord in missions, and we're excited about that. All right, uh, Isaiah chapter 11. I'll read with you the first five verses, the book of Isaiah, chapter 11. Uh, unveil another name of the Lord Jesus Christ, another description of him tonight. The Bible says, verse number 1, Isaiah chapter 11, And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of fear of the Lord. Shall make him of a quick understanding in the fear of the Lord, and he shall judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness shall he judge the poor, and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth, he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. And righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins, and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. Now verse number 1 reveals yet another name of our God, and that is the name a branch. A branch. The word branch is used uh, five times, six times in the Old Testament, to deal with or describe uh, the Lord Jesus. It is the word uh, sema, sema, and uh, it means simply a sprout, a growth. Nothing, nothing fancy about the word at all. Spout, a growth, or a branch. Uh, there is another word, the sixth time, five times it's used as the word sema. The sixth time it is the word hatar, which is a branch or twig. Nothing about the word branch speaks of Christ other than it's metaphor of it being representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the branch. The Bible says here, he is the rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch <coughs> shall grow out of his roots. Now, the Jewish people use this word uh, in a way to describe a family line. Now, we would say not a family line, but a family, family tree. The, the apple does not far fall from the 
tree. And that's in referring to what? When you say the apple doesn't fall from the tree, you'd say what? That, that son reminds me of that father. And so we use the same imagery, the same metaphor, as it were, to talk about lineage or lines or seed, uh, children, as it were. And it's interesting here because the picture of the branch or the root or the stem is from the line of Jesse, who, of course, Jesse was the father of? Four up, you got that right. Good. Jesse was the father of? Get one more time and everybody participate. Jesse was the father of King? All right, good. So Jesse uh, was the father of David, and the Bible talks about the seed of David. The seed of David. Now, who is that? And of course, we know it is the Lord Jesus Christ. So when you see those five times where the word branch is used in the Old Testament, it is referring to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, of the person and work of Christ. Now, I want you to notice something. This is interesting to me. This is not where I want to get to. I have two main things I want to share with you tonight, but I want to show you some things on the way to the main thing. I want you to go back and look at Isaiah chapter number 6. Isaiah chapter number 6. <clears throat> we could also go back and look at Isaiah 4, but we'll just look at Isaiah 6 because we can get what we want out of the one passage. Look at verse number 13. Isaiah 6, look at verse 13. But yet it shall be a tenth and shall return and shall be eaten as a teal tree as an oak whose substance is in them when they cast their leaves, so the holy seed shall be the substance thereof. Now, I know that means absolutely nothing to you, so let me give you some context. Isaiah 6 speaks of the judgment of Judah, the judgment of Israel. And God says this, I see your wickedness. I see how awful you've become, how vile you've become, and I'm going to cut you down. Now, that's a great line from a Johnny Cash song, by the way. God's going to cut you down, but that has nothing to do with the text. But uh, he said, I'm going to cut you down. But notice something special. He says, I'm going to cut you down as an what type of tree? Oak tree, as an oak tree. Now, go with me to Isaiah 10. Isaiah 10. Now, Isaiah 6, God judges Judah, and he says, I'm going to cut you down as an oak tree. But in Isaiah chapter 10, God judges the nation of Assyria. What is the capital of Assyria? The capital of Assyria is... The capital of Assyria is Jonah preached to the city of? Some of y'all need to get an FBI right away, okay? Assyria is an awful people in that they were a horrific people. They were a vile people. They were a rough people. What, what, what the historians tell us about the Assyrian way with their captives is brutality beyond compare. That's why Nineveh, when Jonah goes to preach to Nineveh, Jonah didn't want them to be spared. Jonah wanted God to cut them down because of what the Assyrians had done to, to Israel. God was going to give them pardon, and Jonah said, don't give them pardon, they're awful. They deserve everything they got. Now, God spared them for their repentance. Remember the story of Jonah, right? They repented. The king all the way down, sackcloth and ashes. But as with all of us, they went back to their wicked ways. And Isaiah says, now look at verse number 10. Behold the Lord, behold the Lord, the Lord of hosts shall lop the bough. Lop. What's a lop your head off, right? Cut the bough. Cut the bough with terror. Now he's going to cut the bough now. He's going to cut the tree with terror. And the high ones of stature shall be hewn down, and the haughty shall be humbled, and he shall cut down the thickets of the forest with iron, and Lebanon shall fall by a mighty one. Now when I say Lebanon, what tree comes to your mind? The cedar tree. That's better. He did better on that than the Nineveh one, right? The cedars of Lebanon. He says, I'm going to, with terror, this is a horrible pronunciation of judgment on Assyria. He said, I'm going to 
cut you down with terror like a cedar tree. And when you cut a cedar tree down, what happens? That's it. It's done. It's over with. You lop a cedar tree down, all that's left is the stump, never to be seen again. But you lop an oak tree down. And the Bible says that out of the roots of that oak tree, something will begin to grow again. Judah disobeyed God. Now, this, this is such a beautiful promise, and we're going to get to our text, but I just want you to say this. Judah, you blew it. Israel, you blew it. But God never forgot his promise to Abraham that out of thee shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Even though Judah rebelled, God's going to cut them down. God's going to judge them. But isn't it wonderful, Jimmy, that even in the midst of judgment, God remembers mercy? That oak tree, not the cedar tree like Assyria. By the way, is there an Assyrian kingdom today? Oh, no. Because when God cuts you down, God cuts you down, you're removed. But God said to the people of Judah, I'll give you a root, a stem, a branch that will come up out of this cutting. And that was the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's what I want to give you tonight before we get started. No matter what we do, God's promises are always true to us. Say, preacher, I, I failed, I've blown it, I'm a mess. Mark it down. This book's still relevant to you. This promise is still available to you. And what God has said is that if you'll confess your sin, he's faithful just to forgive you. God wants a relationship with you more than you want a relationship with him. And although God, now listen, watch this. Although God may and will have to deal with you, God is never finished with you. Sometimes God's got to get your attention. Oh, God will set your barley fields on fire every now and then. God will get your attention. But God's getting your attention so that he can draw you close to himself. Now, that, that's the cutting of the branch. But I want you to notice something. Uh, in Jeremiah chapter 23, the, this phrase, the branch, all right? Uh, the Bible says, Jeremiah 23, verse 5, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch. Now watch the next phrase. And a king shall reign and prosper and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. Jeremiah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Jeremiah 33, verse 15, the Bible says, In those days and at that time will I cause the branch, now that's the second time, of righteousness to grow up into David, and he shall execute judgment and righteousness in the land. Jeremiah speaks of this branch as what? A king. Will you run over to Matthew's gospel? How does Matthew start the New Testament? Behold, Israel, your king. The Lord speaks of the branch as the king. Now, watch this. Zechariah, I know many of you spend a lot of time in Zechariah. It's in the Bible. You just didn't know that. Zechariah 3.8. Hear now, O Joshua, the high priest, thou and thy fellows that sit before thee, for they are men wondered at. For behold, I will bring forth my servant, my servant, the branch. Matthew's gospel says, behold, your king. Mark's gospel says, behold the servant. The Bible goes on to say, Zechariah 6, 12. And I speak unto him, saying, thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, behold the man whose name is the branch. How does Luke's gospel recognize Christ and reveal Christ to us? The man, the God-man. Man who was 100% man and yet 100% God. Uh, the God-man, the hypostatic union, if you want to use the big word. It's all God, but it's all man. It's the son of man. Tenth in all points, yet as, like as we are yet without sin. And then, of course, Isaiah 4.2, we didn't read that, but Isaiah 4.2 says, In that day shall the branch of the Lord be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the earth shall be excellent and comely for them that are escaped of Israel. And Isaiah 4 goes on to describe him as John described him, the Son of God, or God in the flesh. So in the Old Testament, we have these types and pictures that we're to look for in the coming Messiah. And as the New Testament opens up, we see him as king, as servant, as man, and as God in the flesh. So there's no question of, we're speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why when you read the Old Testament and you say, does the Old Testament matter? Oh, yes, dear friend, it matters because the Old Testament gives us clues to the New Testament. Christ. Now, look at verse number two of our text. The Bible says, And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom, 
and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Now here's seven, and seven is the number of completion. Okay, here is seven, seven characteristics of the Lord Jesus Christ or the branch as mentioned in verse number one. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The Lord Jesus Christ in his humanity limited his deity and the works which he accomplished were the works of the spirit. The spirit of God. By the way, the same spirit of God that worked through our Lord Jesus Christ is the same spirit of God that you and I have access to today. The Holy Spirit indwelling us the Holy Spirit empowering us. You say, preacher, I can't live the Christian life. Congratulations, you can't. But I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. How does he strengthen us? Through the indwelling, empowering, the working of the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit of Christ, or the Spirit of the Holy Spirit, the, the, the Holy Spirit rests upon Christ. That same Holy Spirit rests upon us, rests in us. Number two, the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Look at it. The Spirit of wisdom. The Spirit of wisdom. Mark this down. He is the only way that you and I can navigate through this life. The spirit of wisdom. The mind of man is always coming up with new and other ways and questions are asked and things are presented. And you say, preacher, how do we know uh, what is our foundation? Well, here's the answer. The spirit of wisdom. If any man lack wisdom, let him go to school. If any man lack wisdom, let him get another degree. If any man lack wisdom, let, no, if any man lack wisdom, do what? Let him ask of God, who giveth to all men. He, he's willing to give you the answer. That's how a man with no formal education, that's how a woman with limited education, with limited opportunity, can be a giant for God, because God is no respecter of persons. And if you want wisdom, all you've got to do is say, God, show me what I need to know, and God will reveal every truth necessary to you. The Bible says in John, this is an interesting verse, John 14, 30, the Bible says, for the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. Read that verse, I said, what does that mean? It means the spirit of this world has something on you, but nothing on Christ. Spirit of the world, when we start trying to figure it out on our own, you know what we do? We mess up. We get confused. We make bad choices, bad decisions. We use intellect, reasoning, emotion, and we always... I just read another article. Uh, Alan, I thought of you when I read it. I read another article the other day that said, follow your heart. Oh, dear friend, never follow your heart. That's terrible advice. The heart's desperately, deceitfully wicked. Follow your heart, you end up in a mess. Follow the Bible, the spirit of wisdom. Number three, uh, the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of understanding. Oh, listen to this word, understanding. The word that we would use there is the word discernment. Discernment. You know, discernment very simply is this, choosing between right or wrong. That's simple discernment. Choosing between right or wrong. Anybody still have a trouble choosing between right or wrong? A lot of us do sometimes. Thank God you... You, you, most of the time we're choosing more right than wrong. But you know that really maturity is not right or wrong, but it's better. It's, let, let's, let's take one step before that. It's not just right or wrong. It's right or better, right or good. But let's take one step further than that. It's not just better. It's what's best. The spirit of discernment. Not just good and bad. That's a good step. That's a first step. But then as we grow, we grow and we choose between good and evil and better and best. Spirit of discernment. Lord, should I do this or that? Should I go here or there? Should I take this or that? Should I operate in this vein or that vein? And it's the spirit of understanding. Uh, you know, the world is full of knowledgeable people. I don't, I don't disagree. People like Stephen Hawking, I don't disagree that they are geniuses. They can speak of, of things that you and I, uh, we could not even begin to imagine the, the brilliance of some of their minds. But yet, discernment, understanding. I'd much rather have a spirit of understanding than the knowledge the world contains. Spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel. Hmm. Hmm. Spirit of counsel. What is that? The Bible says that there is safety in a what? A multitude of counselors. By the way, best counsel you got is the 66 counselors you got right here. Right? That's the best counsel you got. But there is safety in counsel. Brother Dora, what do you think? 
Brother Dory, what do you think? Can somebody open your New Testament quickly and show me from the Gospels where Christ sought counsel from man? The only time that we find Christ seeking counsel is repetitively going to prayer. As his custom was. That means as he did often, he would find himself alone in prayer. Remember the, the different illustrations? Let's stop and pray a while. And he'd come back and find the disciples asleep. He'd say, well, I'm going to go back and pray. And they'd, come, they'd pray for a minute or two and they'd, they'd go to sleep. You know what he was doing? He was speaking to the Lord because counsel that is the best counsel is godly counsel. Godly counsel. Jesus didn't go to the, hey, Peter, what do you think we ought to do about this? Hey, John, I know you got a pretty good head on your sword. No, the only counsel he received was the spirit of God, the, the spirit of prayer, asking God, Lord, what, what would you have me to do? The spirit of counsel, the spirit of might, the spirit of might. This is power. This is the power the Bible talks about in Philippians chapter 3, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Weary and well-doing, physically wore out, mentally exhausted, emotionally spent. And yet the power to continue comes from the Lord. The power of his might, the spirit of knowledge. I'll take a man that has a Ph.D. in the Bible over a man that has all the earned letters the world has to offer. You say, preacher, uh, this, guy's got a, this guy's got a doctor's degree in anthropology or physiology or any of the other ologies, and yet... When you deny the first five words of the Bible, you, to me, show yourself to be very ignorant. I, I love those shows on, uh, on uh, the, the Discovery Channel, whatever, and, and they do the deep things. And I was watching one the other night. It was interesting. They dove a black hole. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a water thing, but they dove what they call a black hole. And, uh, and I'm, it was interesting. It was very cool. It was all about the stuff I was learning about, how that stuff lives down there and all that. And then, of course, somebody said, oh, you know, 10, 15 million years ago, and I'm thinking, Smart as you are, you're dumb as a brick. Because the Bible says exactly when God created the earth and how many generations have lived since then. Spirit of knowledge. But then lastly, he says the spirit, look, look at verse number uh, two, the fear of the Lord, the spirit of knowledge, and of the fear of the Lord. And of the fear of the Lord. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and instruction. Where do we learn to fear God? We learn to fear God in His Word. We learn to fear God in His Word. We learn to fear God when we study the Scriptures, when we see that God always keeps His Word. God always promises what He means, and He means what He promises. The Spirit of the Lord. This is the sevenfold Spirit that rested on Christ. By the way, all seven of these are available to every believer. All seven of these, these are not only things that God had, these are available to every believer through the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is the characteristics of Christ. Now, notice uh, quickly, just, just to prove again that, that Christ is what we're speaking of here. And then we're going to come to our last thought and be done tonight. But Isaiah 11 uh, talks about the root of Jesse. Uh, John 7 says the seed of David. Romans 1 said the, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, the seed of David. Uh, 2 Timothy 2 says the seed of David. Romans 15, 12, Isaiah's talked about the root of Jesse. Revelation 5 talks about uh, the root of David who has prevailed, prevailed to open the book. And Revelation 22, verse 16 is the angel who testify these things in the churches. I am the root, the offspring of David. Now, why does that matter? Well, in Romans 11, it talks about how that we were not the natural branch, but we were that wild branch engrafted in. How you get in? You get saved. And although you're not part of the Jewish line or tree, we're part of the spiritual tree by faith in Christ. Now that brings us to our text tonight, or our, our secondary text. I want you to go over to John 15. John 15. And I want you to look at verse number, well, we're going to look at several verses, but we'll begin in verse number one. John, the 15th chapter, and look at verse number one. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John 15. The Bible says, John 15, verse one, <clears throat> I am the true vine, okay? And my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. 
Now you're clean through the word which I've spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abides in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. Now you can continue reading this all the way through, but I'll stop right there. Now here's, here's the thought tonight that I want to get across. If you are saved, if you've trusted Christ as Savior, then you have been engrafted in to the line of God through your relationship with Jesus Christ. You are now part of the branch, the Lord Jesus Christ, and you are part of that through faith. Now, everybody that gets saved is engrafted in. But watch the three things I think are critical here. Number one, he says in verse 1 and 2, if you're part of that vine, if you're part of that family, sometimes God's going to purge you. you ever, we, we do that. Angel, you do that sometimes at the, at the house. Uh, we have a tree, and you want it to be a strong tree and producing whatever it's supposed to do up top, so you cut off all the little sucker limbs, all the little things. And the Lord says this, if you're part of this vine... I'm going to purge. Now, we would use a different word. We'd use the word prune, clip, cut back. And we would, we, would, we would say, if I want this top to really grow, I'd cut all the little sucker plants at the bottom, all the little stems and shoots, all the, watch this, unnecessary things, all of the things that would hinder growth. He says, if you're not producing fruit, I'm just going to cut you off altogether. But if you're producing, I'm going to prune you so you produce better. The Christian life, listen now, the Christian life is not some flowery bed of ease where everything's always hunky-dory, wonderful, easy-peasy, lemon-squeezy. Sometimes God has to take you through a pruning or a cutting process, and that's not pleasant. Now, no, no punishment, the Bible says, no discipline is in that moment Pleasant, but it does yield the peaceable fruit. I've watched sometimes in awe, especially when Mr. Conti was around. Mr. Conti would come over to the church or to the house, and man, he'd take a big old, tall, beautiful palm tree, and I mean, he would just hack it down. And I'm like, Brother Conti, you've killed it. I mean, you've, you've hacked it to pieces. He said, Don't worry, it'll grow back stronger and better. Sometimes you don't understand what God is doing in your life, but he is pruning you. He is cutting you. And he is doing that for your benefit. He is doing that for your good. Because you got some things in your life that ought not be there. you got some life that's hindering your growth. you got some things that are taking resources away from your root system to where you really can produce them, and, and they're, they're not being productive. So God says the best thing for you is to prune. That's why you ought to go to a church, and you ought to go to a, a place where the Bible's preached so that the Spirit of God, through the Word of God, by the preaching of the man of God, can say, hey, that's something that's taking resources away from your vital health. He prunes us, but notice this. He says, the only way for this to work, chapter number 15, verse 4, is for you to abide. To abide. What's the word abide means? Live. Stay put. One of the great problems that so many Christians have is they want to claim the root system, but not abide in the root system. They want to claim the benefits of association without abiding. Brother, I love you to death, honey, but I don't want to live with you. That, that wouldn't go well, do you think? No, no. Brother, I, I, I love you with all my heart, but, but I don't want to spend any time with you. Brother, I, we're, we're, we've been married now 25, going on 26 years, but, you know, I think we ought to spend, you know, a little bit of time apart, maybe six, seven months, a year or two, just take a sabbatical. That would go over about as well as you think it would go over. Because if you really are in, if you really are in, 
you'll want to abide. So here's the question. Why do so many, now watch this, why do so many people have trouble in the Scripture? I, I, preacher, I, just, I just can't really get in my, I just, I just have a hard time doing devotions. You know, I, I, every time somebody comes in for counseling, one of the first questions we have to ask is, how's your prayer life? How's your Bible reading? Oh, you know, uh, it's interesting. We have time to eat. We have time to sleep. We have time to watch TV. We have time to go to work. We have, we have time for anything that really matters to us. Why, let me ask you a second question. Why is it hard for people to come to church? I mean, why is it hard to be around the people of God, sing the songs of God, hear the word of God? Why is it hard for people to come to church? They want to claim the relationship, but, but abiding, oh, you know, preacher, I just don't need church. You know, the Bible didn't say you need church. The Bible just commanded you to go to church because God knows what you need far better than you know what you need. God didn't have to explain to you why you go to church. God just commanded that as the assembly gathers, you're together with the assembly. Preacher, I love the Lord, but you know, I don't really want to be part of outreach. A preacher, I, I love the Lord, but I don't really want to sing when it's singing. I'm, preacher, I love, but do you know why we have so many buts going on? Because we have a lot of Billy Goat Christians. They're goats, not sheep. I'm convinced of this with all my heart. A child of God loves the things of God. If you love me, the Bible says you'll what? Keep my commandments. If you love me, the Bible says, my commandments are not what? Grievous unto you. I think the reason that we have a hard time trying to get people to conform to the image of Christ. Now listen to the statement. A reason we have a lot of people having a hard time trying to conform to the image of Christ. They've never been transformed by the working of the Holy Spirit. And it is, according to Dr. Roloff, what he said years ago, it is impossible for a man to live the Christian life outside of the Spirit of God working in him. Abide in me. Abide in me. Dwell. And then he said this in verse number 15. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. Now watch this. Spiritual fruit. Spiritual fruit. Spiritual fruit. Growing. Growing as a Christian. Dr. Hudson used to give the greatest example. I can't do it with this plant because this is not a, a live plant. But Dr. Hudson said, a, a live plant. It is foolish for you to scream and yell and to pressure and to push because that's not going to make it grow. Do right. Grow. I remember, I remember that distinctly, him yelling at a plant when something he's finally lost his mind. Grow. Do right. But if you water it, you feed it, you give it its nutrients, you give it its vitamins, you give it its sunlight, the product of a healthy plant is growth. God designed that. Love, joy, peace. Those are called the what? Fruit of the Spirit. Long-suffering, patience. Be patient! <laughs> that doesn't work. How, how does those things happen? When you're abiding, you're growing. God begins to work. God begins to prove. When you're abiding, you're, you know, it's, it's interesting. Go soul winning, go soul winning. When you're abiding, you don't have to be told to go soul winning. It's a natural byproduct of abiding. When, you, when, you, when you're abiding, a natural byproduct is giving. Give, give, give. A natural byproduct of, give, of, of abiding is giving. A natural byproduct of abiding is worship. A natural byproduct of abiding is spiritual growth. A natural byproduct of abiding is the spiritual things that you and I so, so desperately try to reproduce in the flesh that is impossible to reproduce in the flesh. So we've, we've got to make sure that, that we're not trying to conform people, but let the Holy Spirit transform. And as the Holy Spirit transforms, then we watch the natural byproduct. It's not something you can force. It's abiding in the branch. It's, first of all, knowing Christ as Savior. It's, second of all, walking in fellowship with Christ as Savior. And it's, third of all, allowing Christ in you to work on you and then ultimately work through you. Preacher, why are so many people hard, have a hard time living the Christian life? 
They've been saved. Number two, they're not abiding. They're not really developing. The Bible says you've got to add some things to your faith, not in order to be saved, but when you're saved, you're going to grow and you're going to add some things. And that comes through the Word of God and preaching and maturity. And I just got done with discipleship with a young couple. And, and it's, it's awesome to watch as for the first time in their life, they are getting some principles that they've never heard before. Why? Because for the first time in their life, they're trying to learn what it means to abide. And as a byproduct, you know what? That makes sense. We came across a little problem tonight. Questions were asked. We answered it. And you're like, the light clicked on. You could see some things. It's just a natural. I'm not forcing. I'm just showing. Here's, here's what it is. The branch. Christ. Where do you stand with Christ? We preach hard on Sunday morning. Many people need to know Christ as Savior. And a man came forward after the service. I've been praying for for two weeks. Came forward and, and John was able to lead him to Christ and nail it down. Because knowing Christ Knowing about Christ, let me say it correctly, knowing about Christ and knowing Christ, two very different things. He, didn't, he knew, but he didn't know. And he got saved. And, and now he said, look, it's how I, I, he said, I know, I've already made a baptism profession. He said, I know that doesn't count, so I need to get baptized right away. All of a sudden you see the, the Lord working through him, working through him. It's all about your relationship with Christ. When you're walking with Christ, and you say, preacher, I'm really struggling Let's just look how much time have we spent abiding this week? How much time have we spent in the Word, praying, listening to positive things? You can't fill your mind with negative things and not get negative results. It's a simple principle. It's a simple principle. The more preaching, the more music, the more encouragement, the more Bible I get, the better I am in abiding. But if I fill my, listen, if I fill my mind with honky-tonk music and trashy television and movies, I can't help but think, Honky-tonk thoughts and trashy thoughts. Even when I fill my mind with the Scripture, i got a battle of bad thoughts, but there's so much greater ability to defeat those things because I'm abiding in Christ. Seriousness about our relationship with Christ. I, I'm convinced, you, you don't have to be, but I am. I'm convinced that many people need to know Christ, but number two, we need to learn what it means to really abide in Christ, and then the fruit will take care of itself. We're so busy trying to be fruit inspectors, we're not growing healthy plants. Yeah, get the plant healthy, fruit take care of itself. Get the plant right. Get the plant right. God take care of pruning the plant and correcting. If the plant's right, the fruit take care of itself. Father, tonight I pray you'd help us to abide, first of all, to know you, but then to abide in you through your word, through prayer, through songs, hymns, spiritual songs. Lord, the things you've given us that we might abide in you. And then, Lord, of course, abiding we produce. Thank you for the pruning and the cutting sometimes that helps us to, to grow and, Lord, to mature and to put away those things that hinder our spiritual growth. But, Lord, I pray tonight. There's one person, one person here that doesn't know you as Savior, that tonight would be the night they'd come to faith in Christ. They would trust, rely, depend upon you for their eternal salvation. Lord, not a religious experience, not a, a, a uh, memory of some emotional high or moment in their past, but Lord, a definite time and place where they said yes to the Holy Spirit, yes to the convicting work of, of the Spirit of God, showing us our need for Jesus. Lord, I pray if they are saved, that people would, would realize that it is a serious thing to abide in you, to, to fill up. The Bible talks about that, that when we're filled with the Holy Spirit or when we're filling up, when we're, when we're consumed with, Lord, that we'll have that power, that ability to, to live this life. Thank you for the seven promises, the seven blessings, the seven manifestations we can have, Lord, of your working in our life to handle the troubles and trials and difficulties of this old world. Heads are but eyes are closed, but John's going to come. We're going to go right into our prayer time tonight. If you don't know Christ as Savior, if there has never been a time, never been a place where you said, yes, Jesus, I'm lost. You died on the cross for me. And I believe that if you died on the cross for me and you were buried for me and rose for me, that if I put my faith and trust in you, that I would have everlasting life, as the Bible says. If you can't show me, tell me, testify of that time and place where you trusted Jesus Christ, I tell you what the Bible says, marvel not that I say to thee, 
Dear friend, you must be born again. You must be born again. If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his, the Bible says. And you do not have any hope of heaven. In fact, you are destined and damned to an eternal hell. Please, 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 don't miss what it means to know Christ, this promised one of God, who died on the cross for you, was buried for you, rose again for you, that you might have everlasting life. Tonight, before the evening is out, before you leave the property, come find me, Brother John, one of our men, one of our ladies here. Let us take a Bible and show you what it means to put your faith, your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Before we pray tonight, heads are bowed, eyes are closed, nobody's moving around. Would anybody like me to pray for you? Just we're going into our season of prayer now. But you can say, Brother Samson, if I died tonight, I do not know for sure I'd go to heaven. Would you just pray for me? Anybody, anybody like that, let me pray for you. Nobody's going to bother you or come to you. But preacher, if I die tonight, I don't know for sure I'd go to heaven. Please pray for me. Anybody like that? I don't know Christ as my Savior. All right, we're going to go into our prayer time tonight. Father, bless now this season of prayer. And Lord, as we take these burdens, Lord, I pray for Sang's mother already. Lord, I don't want to forget that. And I know that her heart is, is heavy. And Lord, we just pray for her mother there in India going through this terrible sickness. Lord, I pray you'd comfort her and help her and help her precious family. And Lord, if she's such a distance away, encourage her heart, we pray. And Lord, other needs tonight that we have, meet everyone according to your will. Pray for Lori and David and the family. Pray especially for Lisa and her family, what's going on with her husband. Lord, we lift them up to you. And we know that your grace can be and will be sufficient in their life. We pray it now. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother John, you come. Let's have our prayer time. Let's turn our attention to the prayer sheets that we have for you this evening. I've got one extra prayer request slip thus far. If you can raise them up in the air, if you've got one to add, one of our ushers will come get one. I've got one coming. Anybody else have a prayer request you've written down so we can add this to our list? All right, let's turn our attention to these prayer sheets. Miss Alice Brown just got out of surgery about an hour ago. I checked in with Miss Deb. I was with them this afternoon. Pray for that family. She'll stay in the hospital this evening and then hopefully come home tomorrow. She had cancer surgery today. The Hall family, let's pray for them um, with the passing of Brother Joe. He's sorely missed. Let's continue to pray with uh, Miss Laura and Brother David and all of that family. Miss Brenda is here tonight. She's battling some ongoing health issues. Encourage her. Be a blessing to her. Love on her. Speak to her. And definitely pray for her, all right? Hope, this is Dale and Dolly Gunter's young granddaughter. She's recovering from major jaw surgery. All right, let's add these additional new requests. First of all, Mr. Gary Campbell wants us to add his sister Shirley for salvation. And also her husband, Buddy, possibly has leukemia. And another brother-in-law, Everett, possibly has leukemia. So once again, Shirley for salvation, Buddy, health issues, and Everett, health issues. Ms. Joanne Penny wants us to pray for the Smithmen and the Penny men. All right, here's another one, Miss Eloise Foss. I don't know who this came from. Oh, Miss Chris. Eloise Foss, is that right? Okay. Uh, hospital with pneumonia. So there's a prayer request. All right. Preacher has asked us every week to come up to the altar. I'm asking all the active members of our church to make their way all the way up here. Brother Rick Boswell, let's add him to the list on the front cover. Um, big test coming up. Obviously, um, I would hope you would know at this point he's battling uh, leukemia as well. All right, all of our active members and guests, you're more than welcome to come up here as well. We're asking us to flood these altars completely. And what we're going to do is pray out loud if you're comfortable all at the same time. We're going to set a timer for five minutes. At the end of that timer, we're going to have someone come up and pray from the floor. In the hospital is, uh, in, the, in the recovery uh, nursing home here is um, Judy um, 
Bertucci. Thank you, Judy Bertucci. She's still recovering from major jaw surgery. Okay. She's right Appreciate over it. here, so pray for Judy. I'm going to ask Dr. Mills at the timer at five minutes to come make his way at the pulpit and pray for us, if you don't mind, doctor.
Our Father, we do thank you for the privilege that we can enter into your holy presence, bring to you the burdens of our hearts, to pray for the needs that exist in our personal lives, to intercede for others. Father, we're so grateful for what you've done for us on Calvary. We cannot even begin to express the gratitude for taking our sins upon yourself and bearing them to the cross. Oh God, that we might always live in such a way that honors that sacrifice. Father, to, for those that we have mentioned this evening, for the Riddle family, for the Stancils, for all of those that have been mentioned, especially, Father, for those that have prayed for the identified needs of salvation in family members. Oh, God, that we just might shout amen right now for those that we know. That we know that, and we fear that do not know you. And, Father, we pray for the ministry of this church, for our school, for the things you want to accomplish through each and every ministry here. We give you thanks for those that have given of their time and their talents, their abilities, have given their heart to ministry to make this church what it is today. And Father, as we close our time together, let us all be very much aware of your presence everywhere. Your presence with us as we go. Your presence, Lord, in every circumstance, in every concern of our heart, all that we experience, you are there. Father, thank you for your presence. We ask your blessing now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Oh, how I love Jesus. Sing with me, would you? Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first loved me. It's been good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Say amen. Thankful that preacher preaches on a Wednesday night like it's Sunday morning. Thank you, Pastor. Ushers, if you could bring these plates up to the front, go ahead and pass those plates. We give you an opportunity every Wednesday to give your tithes and or offerings as an act of worship to the Lord. Go ahead and pass those plates, guys. Thank you very much. Our couples retreat, our annual couples retreat starts tomorrow night. Looking forward to hearing from Pastor Christian Powell and spending time away with our spouses. Hey, John. Hey, Sarah. I love reading these announcements. If you would like to come to the sessions and have not signed up, please see our church secretary, Miss Nicole Worley, tonight. I believe you can sign up per session. The sessions are Friday morning, Friday night. Saturday morning, if I'm not mistaken, all right? Hot summer nights. Sunday, Sunday. Look at your neighbor and say, hot summer nights. Join us after the evening service this Sunday night, July 28th, for food trucks and fun. We will have Engine 52 Pizza, Maggie on the Move. That's interesting. And Casablanca, Casablanca, fusion trucks this time. The cost is $10 to eat per food truck. And please bring a change of clothes to participate in the infamous volleyball. Who's playing volleyball? Raise your hand. You see Susan Mills' hand up, Pastor? I think she's playing volleyball. That doesn't count. Anybody else? 
All right, Financial Peace University, we've been announcing this. It starts Monday, September 9th, 7 o'clock for I think it's six or eight weeks. Uh, you can go to the website, get for more information. We'd like to have a nice crowd sign up for that. Preacher Stancil. It's interesting. I remember last year, John reading this, this same marriage retreat thing. Like, marriage retreat is coming up. And this year, like, whoo, hallelujah, praise the Lord, whoo, glory to God. Yeah, amen. Uh, we'll have a good time. Aaron and Christian Powell will be with us this weekend. If you can, uh, come by. You want to see Nicole by coming to the Friday night session or the Saturday morning session, let us know. We'd love to have you come by. Even if you can't come to all of it, she can work out a, a plan for you. And looking forward to it. Also, uh, John Allen, mom and stepdad here. Um, aunt and uncle. Okay, totally wrong. I was thinking... Thinking maybe, because we talked about your mom and dad, and I thought, well, man, that's it. So aunt and uncle. Aunt and uncle, right? Oh, bless your heart. I'm just kidding. Good to have you folks. And uh, David's dad and stepmom back here as well. Glad to have these folks. Lives from Arkansas. Arkansas and Mississippi. We can make lots of jokes tonight. That's very good. All right, good. But uh, we're glad to have all you guests and visitors this evening. Saying good to have you tonight. Hopefully your daughter had a wonderful time and the uh, fun in the sun as well. Looking forward to Sunday, be in your place, and I'm going to have a great time. Also, keep praying for Maya. We give you an update. Maya came home late Monday afternoon, and uh, she is, of course, uh, she's here tonight, so you'll see her run around. But we go back Monday again for another round of blood, and they'll see if the meds are doing what they're supposed to be doing. And so they did enough to send her home after five days in the hospital, and so we rejoice over that. Continue to pray for Deb Newmeyer's mom. And uh, Rick, uh, uh, Rick Boswell, these are a lot of folks that are uh, going through some stuff right now. Others as well. Anything else we've forgotten? All right, let's stand to our feet. Let's dismiss. Shake hands, fellowship. God bless you. I love you. We'll see you Sunday. Be in your place. You are dismissed. He's been my rock for ages. He's my solid ground. He's been my rock for ages. There's no greater strength around When the clouds roll in And life storms begin I seek refuge in His Word I just say a prayer Then I cast my cares Cause I know my prayer's been heard He's been my rock for ages He's my solid ground He's been my rock for ages There's no greater strength around He's been my rock for ages He's my solid ground He's been my rock for ages There's no greater strength around No, there's no greater strength around
Jesus keeps getting stronger And I can't contain it any longer So I'm gonna take what I've been given And give it away as long as I'm living I'm gonna give it away I'm gonna give it away